Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Chapter 8. I got a thing for a woman with aggression. Carter. Carter erupted out of his sleep, immediately reaching for the handgun that lay at his bedside. It was instinct for him, especially during times of high stress. He would rather pop first and ask questions later than to be caught slipping. Only this time, it was only Yasmin's face that he saw. Her expression was fearless and held a bit of impatience as she raised an eyebrow at him. You're going to shoot me? she asked. Carter lowered his weapon and swiped his tired eyes with his hands as he shook his head to wake himself up. The hell was she doing in his suite? My fault, Ma. It's habit, he said as he climbed out of the comfort of the plush bedding exposing his shirtless body. You don't knock, huh? People knock when they're guests. I own this entire property. No need for me to tiptoe around my own establishment, she replied with a smile. I didn't mean to alarm you. But what? You literally broke into his room talking about I ain't got to knock because I own the motherfucker. I didn't mean to alarm you. I was asleep. What were you doing while I was asleep? Like, I've read horror stories about people who would just break into people's house and just stand over them while they're sleeping, like next door neighbors and shit. I would have shot you. I would have. I'm jumpy. I would have shot you. It don't even matter. Would have been blood stains all over the wall. And what I'm going to tell you right now is if this turns into a love affair between him and Yasmin, I'm pissed off. Because at least when Zaire had his moment with Ileana, he thought Breeze was dead. He thought she was dead and gone, and so he was just moving on with his life. You know Mia Moore's alive. You're the one who left her behind. So if you go out there and get your freak on with this woman, it is an unforgivable sin because you're supposed to be so in love with this woman that you haven't even been focused on. Let's tighten this up. He could see the amusement in her eyes. I'm funny? She shook her head. Not at all, Mr. Jones, she replied. I find you quite intriguing. Men here don't carry the same air of confidence that you do. You're dangerous, she said. You shouldn't sneak up on dangerous men then, he replied. I happen to like danger, she said flirtatiously. How'd you sleep? Well, my father explained to me the circumstances that brought you here. I can only imagine the stress that you built up. I've arranged something for you and the others. I think you'll find it very pleasing, Mr. Jones, she said. Call me Carter, he corrected. She nodded. Carter, she said. She walked up on him, standing closely as she placed a finger on his chest. 
shower, get dressed, and then follow these instructions. It's my job to fulfill your needs. He felt his manhood jump at the insinuation of her words. He would have to tread lightly around this siren. Images of her petite body bent over in front of him flashed through his mind, causing him to harden. It had been a while since he had been inside of a woman. Me and Moore had been recovering from the delivery of their child. He had been on the run for his life. He hadn't realized how backed up he had been until he felt his desire building in this moment. She stepped closer, pressing her body against his, feeling his wanting. Mm. She moaned softly. You're definitely not like the men in Saudi Arabia. That's the best I can do after doing the mm voice. Y'all can shut the fuck up. See, because it could have been mm. You're definitely not like the men in Saudi Arabia. Do you see how off-putting that is as far as the mm, you're not? It's like when you go to a fast food restaurant and they have the recorded uh, greeting at the drive-thru. And so you hear, welcome to McDonald's. Today our special is a two for five on the Egg McMuffin. Place your order when you get ready. This is Kyle. Like what? Wait, what? Kyle, where'd Sarah go? Oh, that's just a recording. Dog, you shouldn't do that. You should place your own recording. Because it go from, welcome to McDonald's. This is Kyle. It's kind of fucked up. Anyhow, she shook her head. Not one to let his little head do the thinking for him. Carter stepped back, putting room between them. I'll see you in half an hour. Monroe and Zaire have already received their invitations, she said. She turned and strutted out of the room. And Carter couldn't help but wonder about what was underneath the clothes that she wore. Her body, bitch! I don't understand the illusion or the amour of uh, lingerie in the first place. Like, I will fuck my wife when she's wearing a t-shirt that's mine with my name on it and my face on it. I will fuck my wife if she's naked. I will fuck my wife if she's clothed. I will fuck my wife when she's wearing a paper bag with two holes cut out of it because we're at a Saints game back in 1993. Why imagine what she's got on underneath it? All you should be imagining is what your wife is doing at this moment. I just don't like cheaters. I don't like it. And I don't like them insinuating that somebody's going to cheat either. It pisses me off. It's a whole thing. He shook his head, hoping that he hadn't just run from one problem only to bump right into another. It was obvious that Yasmin was troubled just waiting to happen. I saw you were in trouble when you walked in. I don't know anything else past that That line because I and I also haven't listened to Adele's new CD either I guess I should because she's dating a black dude so maybe she's got some hip hop on (laughs) he wasn't a young man the potential for lust didn't distract him from the task at hand he needed to lay low and he was interested in finding out more about Baraka's business practices he wouldn't allow a woman to get in the way of a potentially fruitful partnership He would keep her at arm's length because he had a feeling if she ever got her hands on him, he wouldn't want her to take them off. She was a temptress, but he was a man of principle. He didn't shit where he slept, which meant that the beautiful Arabian women around him were off limits, especially Yasmin Baraka. The smell of vanilla filled the air as the smoke from the lit incense floated mystically into the air. The lights were dimmed as Zaire walked into the suite. Surveying his surroundings, women were everywhere, hedonistic, sexy, uninhibited, as they partook in various sexual activities. A magnificent spread of food was presented on a long dining table. Fruits, 
wines, cheeses, meats. It was a king's feast. I hope this is to your liking. He turned to see Yasmin enter the room with a friendly smile as Monroe followed her. I arranged a bit of convenience for you gentlemen. These harems are here to service you in any way. Your every desire, your every wish is their command, she said. Zaire was led away by a naked woman just as Carter walked into the room. It was a full-out orgy of woman-on-woman action. The scent of sex lingered in the air, hidden by the musket of vanilla fragrance. Monroe looked back at him with a raised brow. You see this shit? He asked. They treat us like kings over here. You are a king, money. Make sure you act like one. Take care of those who take care of you. Tip well for good service. These won't work hard for their money, fam, Carter said. Paying for pussy wasn't his thing, and although this was being gifted to him, he still wasn't too interested. He liked to pursue a woman, wine and dine a woman, sweet-talk the panties off a woman as she tried her hardest to resist. That sounds rapey. She tries to resist you, bitch, say no. If she's not consenting, bitch, say no. If she's not going to give it to you, bitch, say no. You don't have to pursue someone who tells you no. It is not a I'm going to break you down sort of thing. This is not a dribbling exhibition. You cannot break down somebody who says no. The only way you can break them down when they say no is through fear or coercion. And neither of those are on the up and up, my nigga. He enjoyed the art of the chase. This wasn't his vibe. Enjoy, brother. We could all use a release. Strap up, he warned. So, 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 I'm not going to cheat on my girl because, you know, I like the pursuit and the whole uh, making them break down the resistance because that's the way I like to, to assault women. But you, you know, your, your girl, she already cheated with on Mecca with you and so we know that she's a cheater and so she kind of deserves it so you go ahead and get yours bro go ahead and strap up though and tip these women when you get done because you can cheat me though it's against my principles but you you can cheat because we need to make sure we get a sex scene in this book he turned to leave you don't like Yasmin asked it's not my thing he responded what is your thing she asked curiously the moans that filled the air caused him to look over his shoulder. Two of the most beautifully designed women he had ever seen were feasting on one another. It doesn't say beautifully, though. It says beautiful. So two of the most beautiful designed women he had ever seen were feasting on one another. One of them capturing the other swollen clitoris in her mouth, sucking gently. Carter definitely needed a stress reliever, but this wasn't his idea of a conquest. Do you know what a conquest is? Do you? I've decided to stop asking y'all's phones to uh, open up and say what something is because that makes y'all break away from the show and it just takes you away from what I'm actually doing, which is probably pretty fucking shitty for y'all when you're driving, so you're welcome. Definition of conquest. The subjugation and assumption of control of a place or people by use of military force. Conquest. Take it by force. Okay, let's keep going. These women were following orders for the sake of a dollar. They weren't his type. Physically, they were flawless. But mentally, they were weak. <clears throat> I got a thing for a woman with aggression, he replied. Well, I'll have to see if I can accommodate that, she said. 
How would she say that if you put a question mark at the end of that? And why is that a question when it's clearly a statement? Well, I'll see if I can accommodate that, she said. Since this isn't your type of party, maybe you'll join me for the evening. I can show you around. Carter reluctantly agreed. The last thing he wanted was to offend Baraka's daughter. They were his hosts, and if it hadn't been for them, he would be in police custody by now. He nodded and followed her out of the room. She led him to the front of the resort and out to the valet where an armed bodyguard waited for her. I don't think I'll be needing you tonight, Aki, she said to the six foot nine inch threatening presence. I think Carter can protect me just fine, although you will have to drive. Why is that? he asked. Women aren't allowed to drive in Saudi Arabia. I have an SUV and a driver to escort me at all times, but I thought you might like to test out my Lamborghini. So that threw me off because she was talking to Aki and said, I think Carter can protect me just fine, although you will have to drive. And that would imply that she's saying Aki will still have to drive, but she's actually talking to Carter. So your father instructed me to escort you whenever you leave the property, Miss Baraka, her bodyguard spoke. He was a mammoth of a man, and Carter didn't doubt that he provided excellent protection. His menacing looks alone would probably deter anyone from pushing up on Yasmin. I got it, homie, Carter said coolly as he placed his hand on the small of her back and guided her into the car. He walked around and jumped into the driver's seat before speeding away from the resort. Why do you have a lamb if you can't even drive it, he asked. Because I can ride it, she responded seductively. Big toys, fast toys, they're my thing. I get off on the finer things in life. She maneuvered in her seats as if her thighs were on fire, and in actuality, they were. She yearned to be touched by a man like Carter. The fuck is up with these women falling under these guys' spells? <sighs> the darkness of his skin, colorism, the confidence in his stride, the smoothness in his words, it all made her panties wet. She wondered what it would be like to be the girl on his arm. To feel his hands on her ass, she rode him slowly. Saudi men were too damn docile. She wanted a man that would pull her hair as he slid into her from the back. One that would bust his gun if another lusted after her too openly. She wanted a man with swag, and Carter Jones was dripping with it. So let me get this straight. This rich-ass mogul, like a, 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 a tycoon in Saudi Arabia wants a thug who will pull out his gun and shoot somebody if they looked at her too hard. Okay. You're bad, Ma, he said with a chuckle. I'm good at it too, she replied. He shook his head and increased his speed, feeling the horsepower of the engine. These ain't the kind of problems you want, Ma, trust me, he said, his thoughts flashing to me and more. She was a live wire and he loved it. It was her touch, her companionship, her wit that he was craving. Even if he used Yasmin in the bedroom, she could never make up for the other roles that Mia Moore served in his life. Without her, he felt a void, sexually and otherwise. He was missing his lady and it showed. Yasmin noticed a look of concern on his face and couldn't help but to pry. Did you leave a girlfriend behind? Perhaps a few. There's only one, he responded, and she's not up for discussion, he replied vaguely. He didn't want to bring Mia Moore into his thoughts too much. She was his weakness, and he didn't want to expose that fact. 
The look of pure adulation in his eyes couldn't be hidden. A man who truly loved his woman couldn't deny it if he tried. Yasmin didn't know Mia more, but she couldn't help but envy her slightly. Kind of like, you know, Ileana resented Breeze without even knowing Breeze and was jealous of her. Because even though she was a, a drug cartel princess, just like Breeze, she still was susceptible to the wiles of little-ass Zaire. She's not here. What a fool of a woman to let him venture so far away from home. Especially when there's a woman like me, waiting for her to slip up, Yasmin thought. Yasmin guided him to the local market where rows and rows of the city's finest craftsmen set up shop each day to sell their goods. Carter stood out amongst the sea of cloaked men and women. The heat beat down unbearably on him causing him to remove the jacket to his Gucci suit and unbutton his Oxford shirt slightly. I should have warned you about the temperature, Yasmin chuckled. This isn't America. It's like a melting pot in this desert climate. She removed the linen scarf from her purse and reached up to wipe the sweat from his brow. Their eyes connected and she gave him a coy smile before withdrawing her hand and leading him through a rows of vendors. The people of Saudi Arabia flocked to him as he walked the streets. Barefoot kids ran behind him, offering to sell him goods that he didn't need, or even wanted to perform tricks for tips. Carter's heart went out to all of them. He purchased from everyone who stopped him because he knew that the small change he was spending meant nothing to him, but so much to them. America! America! They called to him, trying to lure him over to their shops and small stands. They spotted him from a mile away. His ritzy Rolex and shiny shoes gave away his wealth. He didn't mind spreading it, however. He was having the time of his life. He held babies and shook the hands of local men as if he were the president himself. They like you, Yasmin said. She was highly impressed by the humility of this man. Not only was he a boss, but he had compassion, and it only made her infatuation for him thicken. He shot her a smile as a little boy behind them fell down suddenly. Ah! His yelp was ear-piercing as Carter turned his attention towards him. The kid couldn't have been older than six or seven. He had been trampled by the older ones trying to keep up. He was holding his bare, dirt-covered feet in agony. They shouldn't have had to come between dirt-covered and feet. If y'all hear this, Jaquavis and Ashley, if y'all hear this, before you sue me, hire me as your editor. Y'all can do better than this. Before you sue me. Um, don't sue me. Matter of fact, as a settlement, I'll go back and fix all your shit. And then going forward, you can pay me for it. But don't sue me. Carter bent down, resting his elbows on his knees so that he was eye level with the kid. The rest of the kids circled around the two of them as Carter helped him up. You okay, little man? Looks like you can use some shoes, he said. The boy looked up at him in confusion and Yasmin quickly stepped up to interpret for Carter. When the boy responded, Yasmin relayed the message. He said his mother doesn't have money for shoes. Carter picked up the young kid and placed him on his back, not caring that his $1,000 suit was now soiled in sweat and dirt. Tell them all to follow me, he said. Carter took over the streets of Riyadh province as he led a bunch of street kids from booth to booth, picking them out whatever they wanted. He made sure that each child left with a pair of shoes. He was so distracted by the crowd that it accumulated around him that he never saw the men that were lurking in the distance. 
Saudi Arabia was known for its oil. Many households lived in extreme wealth because of the industry, but in this part of the city, they were surrounded by nothing but poverty. It was where the poor resided, and with him coming around flaunting his money, he became a quick target. Kidnapping was the name of the game. Wives of rich men were often held for extreme ransoms, and with Yasmin as his escort, she was in jeopardy. As the crowd thickened, he lost sight of her. It wasn't until he heard her screams of distress that he realized that something had gone drastically wrong. Carter! Her voice broke over the crowd as Carter instantly turned to look for her. He spun left, then right as he pushed through the crowd. It wasn't until he broke the edge that he see her being stuffed inside a raggedy van. She was fearless as she resisted the entire time, kicking and screaming as a man tried to force her into the car. Shit, he utters as he ran full speed back to the Lambo. If he lost sight of the van, there would be no getting Yasmin back. This wasn't his country. He didn't know the land or the language. All it took was for them to get away from the scene of the crime for her to be lost forever. He couldn't afford to have her abduction on his conscience. He would be solely to blame and the hospitality Baraka provided would quickly turn to hate, putting not only himself but his brothers at risk. He hopped into the car and sped off recklessly, burning rubber as he pushed the gas to the floor. Carter was sweating like a pig and he was slightly irritated. It had been a long time since someone had come at him on some rah-rah shit, but even though he was out of practice, it was like riding a bike. He always remembered how to pop off. His temper flared as he caught up to the van with ease. There was no way the raggedy contraption could outrun the half a million dollar car. He passed the van and cut it off, stopping sideways in the middle of the deserted street. The van came to a screeching halt, and before the driver could reverse in the opposite direction, Carter hopped out of the car and let his cannon bark. They spelled cannon C-A-N-O-N. That means that this is now a part of the MCU. For those y'all, look. So, cannon. C-A-N-N-O-N is the huge gun that fires cannonballs. Cannon, C-A-N-O-N, is to add something into a world. To make it part of a bigger picture. So, canonically speaking, when... Um, the shit happened at the end of Venom. There will be carnage. That put him into the MCU canonically. Okay. Also, you see I didn't spoil shit. But he let his cannon bark. He couldn't really see through the nasty windshield of the van, but he knew exactly where the driver was supposed to be sitting. And when he heard the horn blare out of nowhere, he knew he had hit his mark. Suddenly, a second man hopped out of the van, holding Yasmin at gunpoint. She was already gagged and bound as the man held a pistol, point-blank range at her head. His face was wrapped in Arabic garb, concealing everything but his menacing eyes. He screamed at Carter, making demands that Carter couldn't understand. There wasn't time to think, no time to do anything but react, and as Carter pulled his trigger, his heart stopped momentarily. The bullet lifted the man off his feet and laid him flat. He rushed to Yasmin's side, snatching the blindfold off of her to find her hysterical underneath. It wasn't until he looked down did he see that he had hit the man between the eyes. Yasmin clung to him as he picked her up and carried her back to the car. Let's get out of here, he whispered as she hugged his neck tightly. She pulled back and looked him in his eyes before placing her lips on top of his. His adrenaline pumped as sparks flew between them. A few seconds passed before Carter turned away. I can't, he whispered as he placed her in the passenger seat. He cupped her cheek. 
You okay? She nodded and turned her feet inside as he closed the door. Carter ran his hands over his neatly waved Caesar cut and blew out a sharp breath. The hell am I getting myself into, he thought. He hopped inside and pulled away from the bodies that he had left leaking in the middle of the street. He was supposed to be lying low, not adding to his body count. As he glanced over at Yasmin, he realized that he was putting himself at risk in more than one way. It's time to press chill, he thought. Today could have ended badly. It could have easily have been me circled in chalk. No, it couldn't have. Nigga, what? They kidnapped her. Like, they kidnapped her. There was no way you were going to be in chalk. It could have been her kidnapped. And then you dealing with the consequences. But it couldn't have ended up with you being kidnapped because, or lying in chalk. Because, in all honesty, they looked at you spending all types of money and for some reason just decided that she was your wife. Which I can understand. That makes kind of sense in my head. So they thought that she was your wife and they were going to hold her for ransom and you were going to pay for her. And instead you pulled out a gun and fired blindly into a van happening to hit the driver in the head. You don't know where she was sitting at in that van but you still decided to bust your gun. You still decide to pull out your and get loose. So you put her in danger by flossing for these kids. What's the nice thing to do? Sure. You put her in danger. You got her kidnapped. That's on you. They didn't even know that she was rich. They just picked her up thinking you were rich. That's on you. And now you're over here cupping her cheek and, and holding her face and she gives you a kiss and you don't pull away immediately and be like, nah, ma, I told you, I got a wife. I got a girl at home. I'm not doing this. You let it linger for a few seconds before you pull away and then you're cupping her cheek and now you're giving her mixed messages, dog. Like, come on, fam. Please don't tell my father. She whispered as they pulled back up to the resort. I just want to forget that today even happened. And if he finds out, he'll increase my security. They suffocate me as it is. How old are you, Ma? He asked curiously. Twenty-five, she responded. Too old to have a babysitter. Carter looked at her seriously and replied, Men protect priceless possessions. You're irreplaceable. It's important to keep you safe. You are not a woman. You are a possession for your father to keep safe. Men protect prized possessions. Do you know what a man's prized possessions are? Do you, Yasmin? It is clearly you, your daddy's hotel, a PlayStation 5, and an Xbox Series X. All of those require bodyguards because they are prized possessions. And women are nothing more than possessions. I play with my wife until I get tired of her. Then I put her away and I pull out my PlayStation 5. Thank you. Just a quick poem by a hotep. I play with my wife's buttons after I play with my Xbox's buttons. One gets turned on when the other one gets turned off. Free Tukey. Just some hotep shit. But I'm used to it. Misogynistic, possessive type shit. Okay. She blushed and replied... Thank you for saving my life today. If you hadn't been there, you wouldn't even have been there if it weren't for me. I appreciate you taking me down here and showing me your city, but don't jump out of character for me. I get the feeling that you never shook the hands of a poor person in your life. You were put in danger because you were out of your element, he replied. Yep, let me just go Zaire on you real quick and tell you the real shit. You don't know shit about the streets. You don't know poor people. You don't even, what? 
Y'all know nothing about this block. I took you out there. That was my fault for enriching your mind. I wish I had some like symbols or something or some incense or some shit. Yeah, well, everything about you is out of the ordinary for me, Carter, she said, and I don't plan on staying away. Carter sighed and began to respond, but was interrupted when the valet opened his door. He exited as did she, and he guided her back into the comforts of luxury. Why did he guide her back in? Like, she can walk? Nigga, she know how to get around to her own fucking hotel? As soon as they entered, the sound of a slot machine rang in the air. Have a good night, she said. She wanted to kiss him, and he knew that she wanted to, but they also both knew that he would stop her. You too, he said before retreating to a suite. Chapter 9 I'm attracted to the bad boys. Lena Bang! The sound of the loud bell sent the beautiful horses bolting as the race began. That was a bell? They put bang for a bell? Really? Okay. The beautiful stallions were like well-oiled machines as their strong bodies darted around the track. Dirt kicked up from beneath their hooves as each jockey swatted their individual beasts, pushing them to their limit. Push it to the limit! Limit! Past the point of no return! Oh, I love 80s movies. They're like one part music video, one part gangster shit. The crowd was loud, rowdy, and watching in pure marvel. There's no period. So, the crowd was loud, rowdy, and watching in pure marvel. Me and Mora and Ari sat back, watching anxiously as the jockeys rode the horses with expertise around the track. Timmy, two times Bono, stood to his feet as he and his cohorts cheered along the sidelines in the first row of the stadium seating. Me and Mora had no doubt that they stood to make a pretty penny on the race, or at least they would have if she hadn't tampered with the odds. Despite the 85-degree weather, various members of the Italian mob were dressed to the nines in expensive suits. Mia Moore's heart raced in rhythm to the sounds of the hooves hitting the dirt. I just want to say this real quick. 85 ain't as hot as y'all niggas think it is. I guess it's California narcissism, but when you live in a place where 85 is just like spring, nigga, wait till you get to 109. You can wear a suit in 85 degrees and be all right. You might want to unbutton the top button a little bit, but you're going to be all right. 85 is hot. Y'all better get y'all Minnesota A-OK asses out my face. Oh, yeah, you know, you betcha. Asses out my face. Head ass. She could hear the stampede in her ears and feel adrenaline pumping in her chest as she fisted the guardrail in front of her. Mona Lisa was in the lead, and me and Moore had to admit it was an exquisite animal. It was strong and determined, as its nostrils flared while its legs moved swiftly. Mia Moore was enthralled. She anxiously stood to her feet. Why isn't it working? She wondered as she watched as Mona Lisa neared the finish line. Aries, it's not... Before she could finish her sentence, Mona Lisa suddenly bucked and raised on its hind legs. The entire crowd stood and gasped as the horse seemed to freeze in midair, kicking its front legs in distress. The jockey struggled to hold on, but was thrown off as Mona Lisa fell with a loud thud to the ground. The stampede of the other horses raced right past the champion-bred animal. No one seemed to focus on the winner, as an underdog stole the race, and an emergency team rushed out onto the track. 
Miyamore glanced at the Italian mobsters and saw not one trace of jovial excitement in their expressions. They had each lost a fortune, as had most of the people in attendance. She had to force herself to keep the sly grin off her face. Let's go, Mia, Ares whispered. Miyamore tore herself from the scene as she thought of the next part of her plan. Now she had to set up the proposition to get Broom to drop the case against the cartel. Lena sprayed her dolce blue perfume as she stared at herself in the mirror. The emptiness that occupied her eyes were undeniable. As much as she wanted to tell Odom he was wrong, she knew that he was right. He could see through the fancy clothes, chauffeured cars, and queen on the throne persona. There shouldn't be a common between throne and persona. Lena craved normality. If she was a normal girl in a normal world, her man would still be with her. He wouldn't be faking his death or running from federal cases. Sadness was paralyzing, and she had been forcing herself to live in a fog ever since Monroe had first disappeared from her life. Mecca and Monroe had consumed her with lust, with love, with money, and power. She had been so sucked in by it all. Like a moth to a flame, it was also enticing. Also, like a moth to the flame, burnt by the fire. That's the way love goes. If y'all have not yet seen the uh, show on Hulu, the uh, 2020, it wasn't 2020, it was New York Times, about how Justin Timberlake and white people in CBS royally fucked over Janet Jackson. I recommend it to each and every one of y'all. It's a watch. It really is. Fuck Timberlake. With that said, I still listen to some of his music, but I listen to it while saying, fuck this dude. So on every chorus break, I'm like, fuck this dude, just to remind myself. Now, don't think that that means I listen to motherfuckers like R. Kelly, though. That nigga is dead to me. Real talk. Now she had been burned and Odin was there, saying all the things that she wanted to come from Monroe's lips. No, she didn't want Odin, but she would love to experience life on the right side of the law. She stepped into her Donna Karen dress and maneuvered her arms awkwardly to zip it to the top. She placed a blazer over it and slid into six-inch heels. She exited her bedroom and descended the steps to find her son playing boisterously with Breeze. Thank you for keeping him, Lena said. He's my nephew, Lena. This isn't considered a favor. We're family, she replied. She returned her focus to Monroe's son. He looked so much like him, but his demeanor was mischievous like Mecca's. Little money might have been Monroe's seed, but he had a piece of Mecca inside him as well. So... Whatever happened to that part at the beginning of the last book, I think, where they showed pretty much a flashback and implied that Mecca was actually money, like Mecca was in money or something like that. Y'all remember what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, because they implied that um, at the very first chapter, they talked about Mecca hearing the sound of the gun being caught behind and really just wrapping up what happened, recapping what happened in the book prior to that in book three. Um, and the last thing that they said was boom. And then they had money wake up with the heat. And they said it seemed like he had heard that boom from a year ago, even though he was in a coma and in a completely different part of the world. So they really laid it out like Mecca was somehow money. And it was weird. And I don't think they're, I, I don't know if they ever followed up on it. Or I know they didn't follow up on it. So I'm wondering if they're going to imply it at some point in this book. What did Auntie teach you, huh? Diamonds are forever! The three-year-old quipped loudly with nothing but youthful innocence. 
He had no idea how deeply rooted that statement was or how true it rang. He was born Monroe Diamond II. He would grow into a powerful man. We'll be fine. Just get the money, finish his business, and tell Odin to quit stalling you. Lena nodded and then kissed Breeze on the cheek before leaving. The attention that Odin showered Lena with was flattering, but instead of making her feel good, it made her feel uncomfortable. She wanted Monroe to do those things. She wanted him to say the things that Odin said so eloquently. She wanted a square life. She could not endure any more of the streets. Although they came with many perks, if Monroe wasn't there to enjoy them with her, it wasn't worth it. Lena smiled at her driver as he held open her door, and she slid into the back seat. Her thoughts were so plentiful that they distracted her and made the 30-minute drive fly by. Before she knew it, she was pulling up to Odom's office. I literally hate when that happens. That shit is scary. Like when you're in a car driving on the freeway and you're driving, and then all of a sudden you don't know how you got to the location you're at because you were so deep in thought. I'm pretty certain that's how car accidents occur. Like you just went on autopilot while you're thinking about something else and you're deep in thought and then all of a sudden you're somewhere past where you were initially when you first started thinking. That's scary and I know I'm not the only one that's happened to. If I am, then stay the fuck away from me when you see me on the freeway. Also, Lena had a driver so she and I are clearly not built alike. Still, stay the fuck away from me on the freeway. Especially if I'm near the wall. That shit, I don't know why, but that shit. If the wall's too close to my car, I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't like it. Passerby stopped as they attempted to see who was pulling up as a driver hit his hazards and hopped out to open her door. All they saw was legs for days as she stuck her Manolo out first to steady her balance. She stuck her foot out first to steady her balance? Oh my god! She stuck her foot out first to steady her balance? What else was she have stuck out first? Her hand? Is she walking on her hands? Like, of course she put her foot out first to steady her balance. The fuck? Lena exited smoothly, ran her hands over the fabric for her dress to smooth the wrinkles, and then double-stepped it into the building. Oddly, butterflies filled her stomach. So much weighed on her shoulders. She had to be coy enough to not disrespect Monroe's legacy, but open enough to Odin's flirtation to keep him from turning snake. I'll be glad when he come up off this money, she thought to herself. She was tired of the charade, because honestly, it left her confused at the end of the night. Odom seemed to spot the empty spaces of her life and put them under a magnifying glass. He made her question Monroe's love for her. If he truly loved me, would I even be in this position? She thought. See, they ain't made these ladies more powerful. They still made them the same weak-ass women that they wrote them as. Like, she's still a flip-flopper. Breeze is still gonna do something at this point where she tries to act hard even though she's... a been through so much in her life. Me and Moore are still like my first thought is to be next to Carter. There's no growth even though they're by themselves. Stop it. Of course he loves you, she whispered, scolding herself. This man is about to stop playing with my money. I'm not leaving here today until it's in my possession. Lena's step was more confident as she marched into Odin's office with determination. Good morning, Miss Devereaux. The receptionist greeted at first sight. The many calls she had been instructed to place and flowers she had ordered for Lena on Odin's behalf. The woman was very familiar with Lena. Please, go right in. He's expecting you. Lena gave the woman a gracious smile and headed into Odin's office. She went to close the door, but Odin interrupted her. Leave it open, he said with a direct tone. 
Lena paused and looked at him. Sit. He passed her two manila folders, sliding them across the table. This concludes our business. The account numbers and trust information is inside the folders. Thanks for coming by. Lena was taken aback by his tone and changed her attitude. Just last night he was sending flowers, she thought. She was confused. He was abrupt with her. Almost rude. He didn't even look her in the eyes as he spoke to her. He looked up from his desk. You're still here because... He let the words linger and Lena jerked her head back, insulted. She flipped through the page of the manila folder and saw that all that she needed was inside. The jig would have been up anyway. Now that she had all the cartel's assets in her possession, she no longer needed to play nice. Lena stood to her feet abruptly. There was a weirdness in the room as if there was an invisible elephant between them. Fuck it. I got what I came for, she thought. She turned on her heels, but the nagging feeling that something was awry wouldn't let her leave without finding out what the hell was going on. She stopped as she reached the threshold of the door. Turning to Odom, she opened her mouth to speak, but Odom held up his hand to stop her. Just leave, Lena. I don't want that kind of trouble. You're off limits, Odom said, visibly shaken as he lacked his usual confidence. He was abrupt, almost rude, and obviously intimidated. This wasn't the flirtatious Odom that she had come to expect. In fact, it was almost as if someone had set him straight, and she knew only one man that would do such a thing on her behalf. Lena smirked as her entire chest warmed. She knew that Monroe had sent a message to Odom. He had reached all the way across the world to put a man in his place for coming at his lady. It was then that she realized that no matter what the burdens, she loved the swag of being what a dope boy, especially one that had risen into infinite power. Monroe had status, and because of that, so did she. Odom never stood a chance. See, Lena has no identity of her own. As you can see from the beginning of this chapter when she was like, I don't know, I want to be a straight girl. I want to be, I want to live the square life. To, I'm a dope girl. I'm a dope man's girl. <sighs> you see, Odom, that's why you would never even have been able to get even a whiff of this. I'm attracted to the bad boys. And the fact that you were so easily scared off shows exactly how much bitch you have in you, she said with a laugh. And to think, I almost bought what you were selling. She shook her head back and forth before adding, goodbye, Odom. Lena strolled out of the office with complete confidence that her man was alive and well. She just hoped that Mia Moore and Aries did what they had to do so he could finally come home. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Uh, leave a review on Podchaser. Copy and paste that into Apple Podcasts. Copy and paste that into Good Pods. Thank you to each of you who have been checking us out on Good Pods and on uh, Podchaser. I greatly appreciate it. Apple Podcasts too, you know. Okay. Uh, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash single simulcast or at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast or on the Good Pods app. We do have a uh, tip jar. Thank you all so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. I'll be good. I'm going to holler at you later. Peace.
the intro and outro to Ratchet Book Club is by that kid Garan, and it's called Goodbyes. You can email him at tkgbeats94 at gmail.com for more information on how to lease this beat. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, did you say?